which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Tammy, would you please call roll? Bartos? Present. Bender? Present. Berlin? Present. Golic? Present. Lesh? Present. Mansfield? Present. Church? Present. Scaljack? Here. Vita Clough? Present. Thank you. Next on our agenda are the um, approval of the September 27th, 2022 meeting minutes. Um, I believe we all had a chance to review those. Uh, they were sent to us from Kristen. Um, I know there were a couple of small edits that were made to it. Um, unless anybody has anything else they need changed or edited, do I hear a motion to approve the September 27th, 2002 meeting minutes as presented? Second. Motion by Dalek, second by Bender. Roll call. Bartos? Yes. Bender? Yes. Berlin? Yes. Golic? Yes. Lesh? Yes. Mansfield? Yes. Church? Yes. Skaljack? Yes. Vita Clough? Yes. Thank you. Motion passes 9-0. Uh, before we get into our discussions here uh, this evening, just a couple of comments uh, from the chairman position. Um, obviously, gotten some information over the, since our last meeting um, from a resident uh, who has a packet of uh, items that she sent to us. And um, as we start going through our uh, discussions uh, here, article by article, not only in today's meeting, but in, in future ones where we kind of go through all the other articles, you know, we can, as people have sent stuff in, we can continue to discuss and say, oh, by the way, you know, this is kind of a topic that was brought up by such and such, you know, you have it in your packets. Um, and, you know, as we go, if you guys have uh, comments, questions um, that aren't addressed by the people that we're talking to, or, you know, after talking with, like, for tonight, the mayor or the council president, if things come up and ask questions, that's going to be the time to do it. Obviously, we're not going to be voting on anything for quite some time. We're going to keep a tally of potential topics to discuss further. Um, those are our priority items, and then later in the process, you know, we'll vote to you know, either put them on the ballot or not. So um, with that being said, we'll um, kind of move on to our next item, which was to finish up our rules of how we're going to do this as far as um, the only item we still had left was to how many votes we're going to take um, when it comes to putting something on the ballot, uh, on a recommendation um, on that. So if you recall at the last meeting, um, we had talked, there was a couple of different options that were being discussed, um, whether it be a, just a simple majority of five, whether it be six, whether it be seven. Um, and, you know, as I looked back, through all the other uh, charter reviews, none of them had have had more than six. Um, several of them had five, um, and the other ones had, had six. So again, I, my opinion would be that you go with six, um, because if it's something that we want to push forward, you know, through discussion, it'll probably end up being unanimous for the most part, but I think six is, is pretty good. That's you know, that's two-thirds of, uh, of a group to, to push something, you know, to the ballot. It's obviously not binding on anything. Um, it's not going to make the, the charter change. But I think six is certainly a significant amount, and it shows that, you know, there's um, solidarity on part of the commission. Again, that's just my opinion. Um, 
but again, looking at past precedent, I think that um, you know six seems to be the number on the high end, and then obviously others have done five. But if you know if the commission, if the majority feels that you're still pretty adamant with with seven, I think last time it was roughly split. Um, but just want to hear anybody else's thoughts on it after you've had a, a week here to kind of think about it a little further. Mike? So originally I think I was one of the ones who thought about six as well. Um, you know, I, I thought 66% was good. One of the thoughts I had since then in the week, subsequent weeks is I was wondering about leaning more towards that. We talked about it would most likely be unanimous. And I, I started thinking about the seven forcing us to, to think more about the history or the old charter versus changes to it. So that if we were going to change the document, kind of like the Constitution of the United States or something like that, that I would want to be sure that we were going to change it versus try, having it slide through. And I know six is not a slide, but I did start to think I could get up to seven if, I, if it went that way. And it makes it more difficult for us to propose charter changes. Six makes it slightly easier, five makes it easier yet, and four makes it whatever. So mm -hmm. that was just some thoughts I've had since then. I guess my only thing on that would be my, I mean, you know, it only takes a simple majority for it to actually pass. So, you know, I mean, from the electorate. Right. So, you know, I'm not sure that it makes sense that it's even more difficult at this stage than the actual electorate to go. Whereas, I mean, six is still obviously six you know, is still pretty thirds, strong. But and, I don't, that's just my opinion. Right, and yeah. I, I, I have never been on this, so I don't know, right? But there are certain changes that I could see happening to the charter, or proposed changes that I could see happening to the charter. That some of them get me a little, oh, that's a little interesting. So mm -hmm. that's the only reason I thought about it is, is leaning towards keeping it more as is and changing the necessary stuff. So, but I think six or seven does it. Either yeah. yeah, I'll piggyback on, on Mike's comment because I think last week he said six is a good number. And that's, I kind of had in my mind six or more, right? If you go back to your math class, right? Greater than or equal to, right? So minimum six. And then Denise made a comment that I that resonated with me. I thought about the charter, this is like our constitution. So anything we ought to present to council and to the electorate that we ought to really feel confident about and have close to a unanimous support for it. And as I look through some of the things that came out of the 03 and the 13 uh, commissions, you know, there's there's a number of things, right? And I just feel like there's, well, do we have a duty to maybe simplify things and not just throw a lot of things out there to council and the electorate that they'll have to process, look up, maybe not fully understand the ramifications. Maybe we really, if we're going to put something out there, we maybe should have at least seven of us feeling strong, strongly about it. So... I'd love to hear other thoughts, because it sounds like the two of the people that are sixes are open to sevens. I'm wondering if anyone came the other well, direction. I was so. going to say, I was definitely not comfortable with five. Um, I could be warmed up to six, but piggybacking on what you just said, and I don't want to generalize the electorate, um, but we here are going to look at these revisions a lot closer than people who are going to be at the polls in some cases. We all know how we go in, and sometimes we just vote not really knowing who's running or what the exact issues are. So we will be the people that are going to look at this most carefully at this point in time. So maybe we should, you got me 
me back to seven now. <laughs> Take care with this. No, in that regard. Okay. So I think a seven out of seven or an eight out of eight or however many are here, I think that's the United Front that we're going to be taking regardless. last week, flip it around and consider uh, the no votes, then you're giving uh, pretty good power to a, a minority. If you're at seven, then only two people decide that something doesn't go on to the electorate. And that, like Eric said, I think you put the power in the hands of the electorate. Uh, Rob, I think that's a very good counterpoint to mine, right? Like, uh, <laughs> it's a tennis match for me right now, and, but I think that is an interesting point is I kind of I'm going to sit back. I was kind of leaning the other way of not changing, but I, we could be hamstrung by the other way, so now I could flip back to a six, right? Um, I, I think, and Eric, I think you made a good point in not thinking COVID's going to happen again, but if something would happen where we're under the gun to get something to David, losing votes could make a big difference. We won't be able to vote. Well, we might not want to vote unless we have all nine of us here if it's a seven to pass, mm -hmm. right? I think that's, I think a COVID-esque piece is a dangerous. Right. So. It's, yeah, unfortunately we can't do six and a half, but you know, <laughs> I, I'm right in there. You know, I see the, see the advantages and disadvantages of both. Um, Hopefully, whatever we do recommend, it is seven, eight, nine of us. But you know, I I can go either way. I mean, I am I, I don't really have a really real strong preference, which is I know an issue right now. Isn't it? But Greg's uh, well, just like make this. I'm like this is just make a decision. Yeah. No. Um, I mean, obviously, there's there's more sevens than there are sixes. Um, you know, and. That, Unless I'm that, back to six, right? Then, no. <laughs> there's more sevens than there are sixes, so. Let's just let's move on, and if we've got seven, then that's that's what we'll go with. And, you know, we'll Greg, go we, I don't know how this works in this situation because we're just an open discussion, right? Right. Uh, yeah. So 
now that we've had this open, when I had first say, right, and then I've had third say, but is there a way to go back and just ask, ask everybody now after we've heard everything, because you know, Rob came in and all of a sudden screwed me all up. Is there a way to say, hey, well, how would you go now? That way you have an idea of what the motion is. Are you going to make a motion? Yeah. Just, I just make a motion and let's just move on. we got things to, to cover and, you know, here it's out and here it's out. It's no big deal. Deal with it and go. Seems like the sevens are more adamant than the sixes. I, I could be wrong on that. I don't know if you want to do it. Am I a strong seven, a strong six, or I can go either way. Mr. Chairman? Yeah. Let's, let's make a motion yeah. for seven if it doesn't pass. Yeah, if it doesn't pass, it doesn't pass. Then you make a motion for whatever. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Thank you. Anybody want to make a motion on that? My motion to I'll second it. Motion by Bartos, second by Scaljack to vote uh, for seven um, affirmative votes would uh, propose it to the ballot and to council. So with that, roll call. Partos? Yes. Pender? Yes. Berlin? No. Golic? No. Lesh? No. Mansfield? Yes. Church? No. Scaljack? No. Vita Clough? No. Okay, so that, that motion failed for seven. So um, with that, I'll make a motion then that the vote six-person affirmative vote to move motions to the ballot. Fair second. Second. Second by Golic. Roll call. Bartos? No. Bender? Yes. Berlin? Yes. Golic? Yes. Lesh? Yes. Mansfield? Yes. Church? Yes. Scaljack? Yes. By the club? Okay, that motion passes eight yeas. Six will be the count that it takes to go forward. Okay, that was a lot longer than I anticipated. <laughs> <laughs> All right, now let's get on to the fun stuff. So, um, as we discussed, we're going to start going through the charter uh, article by article. Uh, tonight on our uh, agenda, we have the first four articles. Um, and obviously, as you've read through the charter, you'll see um, you know, articles one and two not a whole lot of meat or anything to them, but we'll still uh, you know, entertain any questions and comments as we go. And then we'll get into the section, Article 3 on the mayor, and Article 4 um, will be from council. After that, um, there'll be a opportunity for anyone from the public that wishes to comment. Uh, we'll keep those to five minutes per, uh, per person, or if they have any items they want to submit to us, we'll take them at that time. And they can also ask any questions of uh, what's been uh, talked about tonight or add their comments on anything from uh, this evening as well at that time. Um, so starting with Article 1, Boundaries, um, does anyone on the commission have any comments or anything that you feel needs to be discussed from Article 1, Boundaries? Anything? Obviously there's not a ton to that. Okay, so we won't have anything with Article 1 on boundaries. Moving on is Article 2, Municipal Powers. Uh, did anyone have any comments or suggestions or questions regarding Article 2, Municipal Powers? Hearing no 
nothing on Article 2. That will close that agenda item. Now we get into Article 3, which is um, describing the various uh, items for the position of the mayor, and none other than Mayor Ruby. Thank you. Step on up. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for coming. Thank you. Uh, I just want to call a couple things to your attention. The first is, uh, under the tab amendments 1956 to 2013, you see the history. They're not always in order, but you'll see uh, all of the provisions that have been submitted for amendment uh, to the charter, whether they passed, they failed, uh, the year, and what it was about. Uh, before I begin with Article 3, I'd just like to go over a little history of where, and, and it's brief, over where and how we got to where we are with the mayor's uh, position. In the original 1956 um, charter, uh, they had uh, enjoyed the office of mayor for since 1922 when Brecksville uh, Village broke off from Brecksville Township. The township then became Broadview Heights in 1927. In 1922, Brecksville became a village. Uh, they decided at that point uh, to elect a mayor, have a mayor, and the mayor uh, presided over council originally. Um, so from 1922 to 19, um, to 19, what am I saying, to 2023, I think that's the year, um, right now, we've always had a mayor. There's always been a mayor during that time. There have been 11 mayors uh, in that span of time. The 1956 charter, they proposed to continue the mayor's office at two years. So if you would like to be the mayor, uh, expect a, if you get elected a two-year term. Uh, that seemed fine to everyone. The mayor was really powerless. He was more of a, um, how should I say, he was more of a ceremonial mayor. Um, he did have certain uh, powers, but really the service director and the finance director had the power really over the way the community was operated in city council. Uh, but they continued the two-year term, and they defined now that the mayor would be over the police, fire, um, building department, and public service, which that's the same as today. Uh, the mayor is uh, management uh, over police, fire, service department, and the building department. So they kept that. Uh, they also uh, went along with the fact that the mayor now could introduce legislation like he had always done before, uh, but he didn't have a vote. And uh, they took that vote away from the mayor, not in 56, but earlier uh, than that. And they decided at that point that the it would be a mayor and seven councilmen. So that's how they started uh, the, the mayor's office. It was a part-time, two-year uh, term uh, office that had responsibility for police fire, you know, in the, in the uh, building department, as I said. Mayor was uh, expected to attend the meetings as, as we are now. Uh, the mayor is uh, able to introduce legislation, um, but he's not allowed to vote. And um, I always tell the story about uh, that in each charter review commission. I, w when I was running for mayor in 1987, a wise old guy in town who had passed on told me that, that the way to be successful is to know the charter, to know exactly how the government's created, 
and you can pretty much deal with all the other issues. So I learned the charter almost verbatim. I could recite even part of it. Um, my first council meeting, audience filled, people standing, um, uh, quite a thing. It had been after uh, my brother had passed on and uh, Mr. Webb decided not to run. So as we got through the meeting, someone said something about uh, making a, a, a motion for something, but no one did. So I said, well, I'll, I, I'll move. And one of the councilmen said, ah, you're out of order. You're not allowed to uh, introduce legislation. And I turned to the law director at the time and I said, yes, I can, it's in the book. He said, you're probably right, but let's not embarrass him. So I said, okay, we won't embarrass him. From that day on, I have never introduced one piece of legislation, not because of that, but I learned very quickly that the department heads should be the ones who bring forth from the administration. And if I have something that I think should be in the form of legislation, I go to the council president or the committee chair and ask them uh, to bring it forth. Then finally in 1973, and I say finally, it seemed like um, a number of years went by when people were screaming that the mayor's office two years it should be a four-year term. Um, they put it on the ballot and uh, passed overwhelmingly to create a four-year term for the mayor. And they decided at that point to make it a full-time position. Uh, the, it was the city. Uh, we had um, started a boom of, of houses, a very big boom in the 60s and the 70s. So they made it a four-year term, and they made it a full-time term. So now we have a full-time mayor uh, with a four-year term. One of the things that came up, well, now four years, what happens if something happens to the mayor? They had a simple succession, council president uh, steps up, but people that weren't that enamored with that, and they thought, well, you know what? What if the council president doesn't want to be the mayor? That's what happened when my brother Jack was appointed mayor originally. The mayor had died. The council president at the time said, I don't want to be mayor. So they went ahead and he stepped down as council president and they elected my brother Jack as council president and he succeeded then the mayor's office. That's how that worked at that point in time. So they changed it and they made it so that if something happens where the mayor's incapacitated or the mayor cannot serve, then the council president will uh, sit in the place of the mayor and then the council president or a qualified member of the electorate could be named as council president by, by city council. That's basically the way it is today. I'll tell you the little change later on. That was done in uh, 73. And then in 1983, they refined the vacancy a little better and they said, well, let's do this. Um, 60 days to the council president, but it's not automatic. It's up to council to pick anybody they want, member of council, a resident, and that person will become the mayor until the next municipal election. Didn't say to fill out the full term. It was the next municipal election. Well, then that came to the next municipal election, depending on the number of days before that election. So let's say, for example, if something would happen to me next year, uh, the council president would become 
president 60 days, if council wanted that person to continue on, that person would become the mayor and give up their seat on council and give up their vote on council and council would have a vacancy. That person would serve as mayor until January 2nd of 2024 when the results of the election are enacted and the mayor is sworn in, the new mayor is sworn in. So the council president, if that's the person who gets named as mayor, would assume the office until the end of that term and at that point would then become, uh, if they were elected, would become the mayor. If they lost, then they're out, out of the government. So um, mayor, in, in essence, mayor, then uh, how that's been revised, they, they can't, uh, a person can't uh, be mayor for, uh, as a moving up, the council president can't be mayor for what in essence is more than two years. Correct. Correct. And it's a little, little well, a little like less. Like if something, if you're yeah. in your first year yeah, and something you're right. happens or whatever, mm -hmm. you move up, and then next general the next uh, municipal general election, election which is right? Every two years, you're right. Yep. Right. Next municipal election, that's when the new uh, uh, mayor would take over, and there would have to be a mayor then, a special election for the uh, for the mayor. Mm -hmm. that mayor two years. Okay. Oh no! Wait a minute! Wait, uh, no, he would. Yes, he would. Uh, he would serve. You got to give me the scenario that how long has he served already? If he's just going to get it right at the beginning of two years, or he dies right away, right, and the next guy comes in, two years, and then the, he would have it. He'd have to run for election, and then it would be a four-year term again, uh, or w would it be the unexpired term, Dave? Well, we get to it. We'll, I'll, I'll read it through to make sure. I thought I knew that really well. Um, then in 1983, um, interesting thing came up. Um, there was a concern about the police uh, testing, and there had been some tests that were um, questioned, and uh, there was sort of a ill will going on, mm -hmm. and um, the Charter Review Commission recommended that the chief no longer be, fire chief or police chief, be under civil service, be an appointment of the mayor approved by council. Um, the police department went out in gangbusters, and the fire department went out in gangbusters fighting the issue, uh, spending money advertising, going out and doing their thing, and it was defeated by a two-to-one margin, 2665 to 1,075. It's never been placed back on since then. Many cities now, like Independence, their chief is appointed by the mayor uh, safety director and approved by council. Not recommending, and I'm just bringing that to your attention. If that comes up as an issue, I know that our chief would be absolutely opposed to it, as any police chief would be. Uh, it's more in the sense of, are you getting a better qualified individual when you go out in the market and uh, find individuals who maybe have a better background, have excelled on another department as chief, and are willing to make the move. So there's much to be said that you could get a true, you know, a true professional, not saying that your chief isn't a true professional. It's just that some chiefs don't have the kind of knowledge and background and education as uh, you can get out in the field. I just throw that out. That's how it uh, came about. It was uh, defeated handily and would be fought by, I'm sure, both the fire chief and the police chief. Uh, then in 1993, the, uh, I think that commission, Greg, as you'll see from the minutes, uh, 
did a lot of work and a lot of a lot of discussion didn't touch the mayor's office 2003 didn't touch the mayor's office uh, then um, uh, 2003 I'm sorry one thing did come up I remember this now this was the 2003 was the infamous the mayor's trying to grab power and uh, it's the mayor's grab for power is what the those in opposition said it said that the service director could hire and fire with the approval of the mayor and that is somewhat contrary to the way the uh, uh, council, and you'll read it, uh, council is deemed, where the mayor hires and fires uh, everyone in the city other than civil service, but he recommends based on that. Well, when that came up, um, the mayor was over the building commissioner, so the mayor um, it, it looks to the building commissioner to hire and fire within his department and it looks to the service director to hire within his, his department. This would have changed it where the mayor had the authority and would consult with his department head. So what came up during that was, and I, I if you check the minutes, I wasn't a, 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 a great proponent of this because I figured it, it's not necessary. The mayor hires the service director and he hires the, uh, um, uh, the uh, chief and he hires um, the building official. So um, if there's conflict, he's the boss. And uh, the mayor can either remove the person or um, make life miserable for him or whatever. I mean, in, that was where the commission said, well, that's not right. Shouldn't be that way. Because then if you're going to have that kind of conflict, the mayor's the boss and should be the mayor. They put it on the ballot. I predicted it would fail, and it did. Uh, both of them uh, failed, both the um, uh, hiring, discharging, and service, and hiring and uh, firing in the uh, building department. But I will tell you, since that time, it's never been an issue. Uh, when the service director wants to hire someone, he comes to me and says, I'd like to hire. We need somebody. Uh, we need additional personnel. Um, we sit down, we interview the people, and we decide together. And that's just the great relationship that I have with, with our department heads. So, but in 2003, that's what they tried and failed uh, to do. Then uh, the, um, uh, it came up about in 2013 uh, about the mayor and the personnel in police and fire. And um, it's, the, uh, it's the same thing. The uh, mayor is the safety director. Uh, by our charter uh, unless the mayor wants to fill the position or council chooses to fill the position so the mayor had the power over the police and uh, and fire chief so um, that really didn't uh, go anywhere but one thing did and that is the law director the law director is hired by city council as is the finance director they are responsible to city council city council alone the city engineer is hired by city council and is responsible to council and not I. If the engineer is going to do a project, he goes to the city council and asks for legislation authorizing the expenditure for anything that's other than the day-to-day -day engineering of the city. Like, for example, if we're going to 
do a major culvert project, he would get legislation authorizing him to do that. The law director had uh, the same thing. Uh, I would have to go to law director, I, I mean, the law director and I would talk, and I would have to go to council and say, look, I'd like the law director to represent the city on this, or I'd like the law director to look into this, or I'd like the law director to be part of negotiations, and I'd have to go to council, and they'd make a motion that the law director be authorized to work with the mayor. So it was decided by the commission to put it on the ballot that we would add the mayor to the authority, and it would be joint authority over the law director. Council still hires and determines who the law director is going to be, but the mayor has the right to call up Mr. Maddy and say, Mr. Maddy, would you do this for me? And, um, and that's basically you know, what, uh, what goes on now today, and it's, it's working really well. There's been no problem uh, uh, since that time. So those are the, uh, the changes. They're not a lot. When you think about a charter that was created in 1956 to date, and those are the only really uh, changes regarding the mayor's position, um, it seems to be working. Now, let me go over this with you. Section one term, plain simple. It's a four-year term. It says that the mayor can succeed himself. In other words, you can continue to run for re-election as long as the electorate votes for you. There is a group of people in our community who believe that we should have term limits. They've been talking about term limits since the 60s in, in, our, in our city. And I remember growing up that they wanted to get uh, uh, term limits. When they first went to the four, they said, well, we'll make it four, but it should be only two four-year terms, or it should be only three four-year terms. And the, the voter never, and the Charter Commission never uh, agreed with that. Um, I've been asked what my opinion is. We have term limits in Brentsville, just like any other city does. It's called an election. If the mayor isn't doing a good job and the majority of the people feel that way, they vote him out. It works in every city. It'll work in this city. Um, no question about it. But that's what the book says, and I'm letting you know that. It also says that I have to be, or the mayor has to be, an electorate uh, in the city uh, for a period under qualifications I'm moving on to now. He has to be electorate, so that means he needs to be 18 years old. Uh, he must uh, have lived in the community for two years. I think that is, is worked for us because it hasn't been an issue. Because just about everybody that has run for mayor out of the 11 mayors was either a councilman or some had some affiliation with the city and was elected and had been here a long time resident. Um, I don't think that uh, that's enough time and I think you ought to look at that and uh, consider maybe increasing that to you know four or five years or whatever you think. Um, I feel strongly about that. I'm finding uh, that many of uh, new people that are uh, moving into our community Wonderful people. They have as much status as anyone else has, but they don't know the community. They don't know the history, and they don't know the laws, and, and really um, they say things that are just not accurate and uh, over and over and over again. Um, and so I think as you're here, you get to learn about the town. 
Uh, you should be going to council meetings. You should spend time uh, learning what the government does. And, um, and, and if you want to be a dissenter, that's fine. I respect anybody that dissents on anything. That's everyone's right. But um, it should be with some form of knowledge and some form of experience. So I just leave that uh, to you on that. And then uh, the qualifications for mayor, if it's vacant, it works. This worked with uh, Dean Webb and my brother. Uh, when the absence and the vacancy takes place, the 60 days, uh, letting them uh, pick up the, uh, uh, pick someone out of the community if they wish. Uh, and it says here that the unexpired term of the mayor are until the beginning of the term of a successor elected for an unexpired term, if that means you're here after year two. So exactly is how I, I explained that. I believe that's correct. Is that, you agree with that, that Dave? Okay. Article three, yep. section right. three, second paragraph, exactly. Um, now, in the event that um, the president of council is absent or he's inaccessible when he's serving as acting mayor, then council by a vote of the majority uh, of the members can designate any member of council to fill in that, that position. Doesn't have to be the vice president, doesn't have to be the chairman of the legislation committee or the finance committee or whatever, it could be any one of those councilmen uh, would then be uh, named as acting in that place. Now, just because someone is named acting doesn't mean that they are and stay the mayor. Like for example, if, if I go on vacation for two weeks and Laura Redinger is acting mayor and will act in my place because I'm inaccessible, when I come back, I'm still the mayor. It's when you, you have um, either a resignation, a death, or some, some form of uh, separation uh, that that person is not going to be able to perform their duties in the future. Uh, that's when this uh, is enacted. And I, you know, that's obvious. I should have not even bothered saying that. I'm sure you understood that. The mayor's, mayor has a judicial power. Uh, power which I've sort of, um, I, I've kept it and I take it very seriously, but uh, we have a mayor's court and that's where the judicial power comes from the mayor. Mayor's allowed to hear non-contested cases that are misdemeanors. And uh, uh, everything else has to go to the municipal court or any felonies goes to the county court. I've chosen and council has agreed to have magistrates and have them handle the court I'm responsible for the overall budget, overseeing the court, uh, making sure the documents are sent to the Supreme Court and so forth. But I do not, I do not act as a judge uh, on any cases unless we don't have a magistrate available. So I go get the training every year. Um, I keep myself um, in compliance with the Ohio Revised Code. So in the event something does happen, I can act as a judge in the mayor's court. A legislative, as you will see, is you know seat on council, so to, so to speak, meaning I have a seat up front with council. Um, I uh, shall attend. It doesn't say may attend. It says shall attend. So the mayor has to attend uh, the meetings. And very rarely do I miss him. When I do, I always make sure that I ask to be excused from the meeting. Um, introduce ordinances, resolutions, and motions and has the right to participate in the discussion of all matters before council, uh, but can't vote. 
So in other words, if council is discussing a certain ordinance and I'm a proponent of it, I can speak to it. If I'm against it, I can speak to it. Uh, most times, I don't say anything. It's uh, decided uh, by council. It's their decision. We present it to them. If they disagree with it or uh, for some reason they want to vote against it, well, then that's their choice. I do not um, tell council how to vote or even suggest other than this is what we think is in the best of the community, but we leave it up to council's, uh, council's decision. Then we have the power of veto. Uh, this is something that I have uh, never used in all the years, in 35 years, I've never vetoed anything because we've already we've been able to work these things out uh, together. Uh, I threatened to veto something once and uh, got a real lesson on that one, but um, there is a way that the mayor can do a, a line item veto on a budget. Uh, there's something in the budget that the mayor disagrees with that council's put in the budget. The mayor can veto it and it goes back before council and then they can deal with the veto. Um, the veto power is actually if I disagree with the legislation or I think that the, the budget thing is going to in some way impair the ability of the administration to do what they do, um, I can you know, veto that and then they have council has to be in writing and council then has uh, so many days to uh, look, look at it and then they vote and uh, they can overturn the veto with a vote of five. So five members of council can overturn uh, the veto. I also, um, and I, I keep saying I, I apologize, I should be saying the mayor. The mayor, I am the mayor though, aren't I? Um, one, of the <laughs> one of the things that, um, um, if the mayor wants to protest something, I only did this once. And then after I did it, I felt bad I did it. But, um, you can protest by not signing something and not vetoing it. Just, I'm not going to sign it. It becomes law at the end of uh, the, the time, the full time, um, but it becomes law if I don't sign it. So I'd have to veto something to stop it for at least another round. And if I just refuse to sign it, it just becomes law and that's it. It's, and, you, and if you want, if you're ever uh, around City Hall and you like to go through about 5,000 ordinances, feel free and see if you can find it. And uh, I'll give you a sucker if you do or a lollipop. Um, no, there was a housing development that I disagreed with and, uh, uh, and, you, and on planning commission I had voted against it and I just felt I was being a hypocrite by agreeing at that point just because council agreed. I thought you know, we should be able to speak out and we did. So that, uh, that's what that is about as far as being able to veto. And then the uh, last one is uh, executive. And again, I don't recommend any changes on all that we've gone through so far, uh, other than the, uh, the number of years for qualification. The uh, executive, um, uh, now this is what, this is where I guess some of the power comes from with the mayor. Uh, mayor signs all documents on behalf of the city. If someone sues the city, they sue in the mayor's name. Uh, the documents come to me, they come to my house, they come here, they service with a piece of paper. Fortunately, that rarely happens. But uh, the mayor gets to, and as I tell the kids, the school gets, he gets to kiss the babies. 
he gets to cut the ribbons. He gets to get up and praise people. Uh, he gets to marry people. I can perform wedding ceremonies, and uh, I've done over a couple hundred of those in my time. Um, but the mayor is responsible for the, the uh, good wealth, health, welfare, uh, and security of the community. Uh, that's the main thing that that person does. It's to keep the peace in the town, uh, to uh, make the people feel safe, um, that their welfare is not in jeopardy, and uh, uh, oversee that for the uh, for the people. And uh, sometimes issues are raised and they'll come to the mayor and say well why can't you do this or why can't you put a sign here or why can't you that or why can't you this well the mayor like any other elected official has to comply with those laws that are above us laws enacted by the state statute uh, the state legislature uh, passes we can't act contrary to that even though we're a chartered community uh, there are some things that we have in our charter or in our ordinances that the state legislature doesn't doesn't uh, cover. Um, if we didn't have a charter, we would be acting under statutory law, state law of the state of Ohio. We'd follow the rules and the laws of the state, the state statutes. Um, but back to uh, this, the um, on behalf of, uh, this, of the city, I sign all contracts. Uh, conveyances of property, uh, anything that uh, deals with uh, our indebtedness, uh, anything that deals with um, our borrowing, I have to sign that. Uh, most of the documents, including the audit, uh, the mayor is involved in that with, uh, with his signature and is involved in many things, if not all, uh, with his signature. Um, that is keeping, and it is a good way of keeping the mayor on top of everything and giving him that, that responsibility. Um, the mayor's office in, in, our, in our community, and uh, again, I'm speaking with 35 years as mayor, but my brother was mayor um, for almost 17 years, and during the time that he was mayor, I worked for the city. I had uh, got a job in 68, and he embarrassed me and ran for council after that and got elected uh, to council, and I said, that's not gonna Right, you know, your councilman. Now I'm here. I had my job first. Go away. But he didn't agree, and he ran for council and got elected. And then uh, ended up two years later, the youngest mayor in uh, in the county or the state. I, I think it was at that time. He was only 24 years old. Um, and the interesting thing is, the people who elected him were more so the established elderly community of of the town, who um, were looking for someone to slow down the boom that was going on in residential growth. And uh, there was a, a great concern for that. We only had um, one town hall on the square built in 1874. We had no recreation center. Uh, we had a police station that was in the old fire station, which was the annex next to City Hall. Uh, the building department was on the second floor. The service department was two small little um, garages down on Mill Road. Uh, we didn't use salt, we used cinders. We didn't use asphalt, we used uh, uh, tar and chipping. Uh, we had only four police cars, uh, 12 policemen. 
Um, we had a volunteer fire department of about 40, 40 men and uh, women. Uh, no full-time ambulance. If someone needed an ambulance in 1971 to 1982, uh, they called the funeral home. And so I don't know how you feel about that, but I don't know if I want to ride the back <laughs> of one of those. But uh, Hal Cassidy or Mr. Fallhaber, one of them would come up and show up. And so you had a young 24-year-old take it over, and the only thing that he had was the charter to go by. Because we had very few ordinances back then. Uh, today, a lot of things could be done without ordinance. Um, so uh, the reason I'm, I'm going back and telling you about that, this simple way of handling the mayor's office has worked for over 50 years. Actually, it's worked for since the beginning. Um, twice they tried to uh, create a city manager, uh, not during my time, but during once during my brother's and once before that, uh, the electorate rejected that. Uh, the electorate likes having um, contact with the mayor, contact with the council. And uh, so what I'm leading to is to summarize this by saying um, it, it, it's working fairly well. Um, the reason I say fairly today, if this was three or four years ago, I'd say it's working extremely well. But um, with the onset of social media and uh, some of the things that get said that are totally untrue, um, it's, um, it's difficult. It's, it's becoming a more and more difficult job and uh, hiring people is more, are more, is more difficult. But I searched my soul on this and thought about this thing a lot. What could you do to make the mayor's office better? And uh, he doesn't need any further power. He doesn't need any less power. Um, I really can't come up with anything other than I can comment on some other things later on about spending limits and you know uh, some of those things that we have but other than that my suggestion to you is is if you uh, if you want to um, entertain term limits do it entertain it and see where it goes if you wish um, if you want to um, limit the the mayor's terms you know I, I say the same thing um, interesting thing about that is some people think that that's going to get rid of me um, but if you enact it I'll have Mr. Maddie uh, talk about that. So I'm, I'm just sort of figuring, you know, let me see. If uh, you put in term limits, that would, and it's eight years, that means that I could run again and, and serve eight more years. So if anybody wants to change a charter just to get rid of me, it's ridiculous. That's not the reason you would want to change the charter just to get rid of me. And um, if you want to look at the performance of the mayors, you have 11 mayors in the time that we've been a government here. And uh, the longest serving mayor was 24 years uh, before me. That was uh, um, Mr. Harris, the first mayor. But he had been elected four different eras. He'd been elected here, then, he, then another mayor, then he was elected here. Not because of any other reason other than his choice. So, and then we've had one mayor that served 45 days we had one mayor that um, uh, served um, um, what four years. We had one mayor that served two years. So uh, out of that 11, the, the bulk was between Jack, myself, and Bert Harris. Uh, that was the bulk of uh, the years uh, of, that we've had a mayor. So that ends it. I thank you very much for your service that you're doing this. This is a part of the administration. 
the administration is uh, by the charter since 1956 is required to review its charter and recommend to the electorate. Uh, and the avenue to um, recommend to the electorate is to go to council and have council place it on the ballot unchanged, as we talked about at the very beginning. Um, I want to encourage you to do, as I said at the first meeting, do what you think is in the best interest of the city. I don't think there's anything you could do uh, that would offend me unless there was something that was really unbelievable that came out of the wall. But uh, do what you think is best and, um, and pay attention. Pay close attention to what you're reading and uh, use your experience being here in Brexville and think about what what's wrong is there something really wrong here and what is it and see if you can put your finger on that and if it can be solved with the charter then do that and if it can't be solved with the charter then you know try to pass that on to whoever you think you need to but um, I really and I say this to all charter review commissions look at your experience in Brexville look at the things and how do you, were you handled when you contacted City Hall or the police department the fire department that how did this all work for you? And think of ways of making it better if you can. Um, again, this is the guideline. This is the Constitution. This is by which we govern. Um, and um, you have a, a, a big challenge, and I thank you very much uh, for doing it. And I'll answer any questions if you have any. Thank you, Mayor. Um, before we go, so I, I was kind of jotting down a few things, but we'll kind of open the floor to anybody that has, has questions to the mayor or to the law director or comments or suggestions on anything that you've read or anything that the, the mayor has um, has addressed. I There's a, just a handful, a couple of things that I just want to bring up. Um, and again, this is just on the session on the mayor. Some of these may repeat themselves when we get to council or any of the other positions. Um, you know, starting with a thing that always seems to come up in each charter review, um, as it probably should, um, and there's resident Mrs. Gunsler and her proposal had put together which was is term limits um, and if you read back in the minutes many times it's been discussed um, I don't recall offhand if any of them have ever gone to the ballot on that I don't, no. I don't believe so but it has been discussed you know to some extent in, in each charter review um, as far as the term on the mayor I have no issues with um, as it's currently sta stated um, I think that's what elections are for really on, on all the elected positions I think um, that takes care of a term limit thing but if anybody has a specific um, or a group of you have a feelings you know to the opposite end of that you know we can start to discuss and throw those out there and um, if not then we can kind of move on from a term limit discussion at least as it respects um, you know the mayor's position so that would be my first first thing that you know again typically comes up Let's just you know, hit it between the eyes, and if there's the pool for for that, then let's discuss it. Does anybody have any thoughts of wanting term limits for the mayor's position? Five and four, uh, five times uh, with opposition. I think it's five with opposition. And four without. Uh, the most longest time was recently, uh, before uh, the last election. 
I had three terms. Or, yeah, three terms where no one ran against me. Um, I, let me, look, I'll go back. The first time I ran against the council president and the uh, president of the school board. Second time I ran unopposed. We were on a high, we had just opened the community center. Next time I ran, uh, Councilman Johnson ran against me. Uh, next time I ran, um, Mr. Marchetti ran against me. Are you keeping numbers here, I hope? <laughs> then after that, um, I had another free uh, term, I guess you call it that, I was unopposed. And then uh, Mrs. Cerruti ran against me. Um, and then uh, I had the, th the three free. And um, then the last time I was opposed. So. I don't know if that would have been the case or not, but uh, um, I, I take that when someone is unopposed, people are satisfied with what's going on in the way that it's handled, and um, um, and I just leave it at that. I mean, that's how it is. And I said that once in a council meeting, and a gentleman that lives here in town said, you're, you're, I was being arrogant. Um, I, Greg, you probably remember this. If not, you do. Uh, I, I was shocked that he said, well, you're, you're arrogant with that statement. Well, what I said was this. Everybody that's up here on the front does what they think is in the best interest of the community. Nobody's benefiting from this other than their wages and their benefits that they get. But, you know, we're only trying to do our jobs. And sometimes there is a group of people in the community who feel very strongly about something, but they're not the majority. But they want the majority to vote the way they want things to be. And I said, so how you affect change is if I represent you in a way that you disagree, and you would think that I'm making a mistake on the best interest of the city, then don't vote for me the next election if I run. Um, but that's really the truth, and I'm, I'm not trying to be arrogant with that statement, but that's how it goes. If you are dissatisfied or you feel you're not being properly represented, then don't vote for that person. The other argument is, oh, well, the mayor has all this money that he can spend. Well, the records are, are, are for themselves downtown. You know, I have um, $1,800 right now in my, uh, in my campaign fund, and I, I don't think I spent... Uh, much more than $10,000 on any given election at one time, which some councilmen have doubled that. Um, and, you know, most of the money that I raise, I give away to the school. And that's all pretty well documented. Um, so it's not a matter that I buy the thing. That won't work. You know, only a few people are going are gonna, to uh, take that situation. Then the other one, well, the mayor's in power and he puts all his cronies. All his cronies, check the people that work for the city. Look at who they are and look at their background. And some of these people, I, I, I met them the first time when they came for a job interview. I mean, we don't, uh, we don't, that, that's not 
accurate. Are there some that I know? Sure. Are there some that are related to people that work here? Sure. That's it's a small town that happens. You're going to get that. You can't deny somebody a job because they're related to somebody in the city unless they're related to the mayor who's hiring them. Then that's nepotism, and you can go to jail for that. The other issue, too, Greg, that you know, and why you, sometimes you're 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 unopposed, is the fact that. People look at it's like what's happening now with policemen. We used to have a hundred and some applicants for every police job. Sometimes we get 200 applicants for a police job. Last time we went out, we had 19. People don't want to be policemen anymore because they don't want to take it. You know, in what's happening to police and what's being said nationally in that. It's the same thing with government. If you want to be the mayor of a town, Think about what you have to sacrifice. If you have a job, you have to give that job up because it's a full-time job. So you get elected, you're in office for four years, you have to run again, and you lose. Now you lost that job, now you lost this job, now you gotta go find another job. For some people, that kind of a break in, in their uh, uh, livelihood or in their, in their um, Way they're managing their lives is, is a serious break and people look at that and they say well I don't want to run because I got to run every four years and I don't know I don't I want to do that um, and then there are other people who aspire to be uh, but they aspire for the wrong reasons you know you sh you know people should elect people based upon what they're doing in the best interest of the community not because they have a personal agenda you know I want wards I want term limits I want this, I want that, I want, that's not why you elect somebody. You elect somebody based upon what they say they're going to do to make the community better, what they're going to do to serve the public and, and treat the public in the way that, you know, they want to be, be treated. So let me get off my soapbox and don't ask me another question <laughs> like that because that's what you're going to get from me. You know me. You know what?
council and, and whatnot. I never really considered the two-year uh, issue being being an issue, um, but the more that you know, when I was on council now afterwards and seeing some things or hearing some things that have happened over you know the last handful of years, you know that that two-year requirement. I, I started thinking more and more about that. Like, like you said, I I think in particular for the position of the mayor because it is sort of the CEO of, of the city. Um, you know, having somebody come in who's been here for two years, I don't know, that it starts to think to me that that's a little bit light. Um, you know, whether four years, five years, whatever that number may be, I, I think that that's something that we should probably talk about a little bit, um, at least in, in my opinion. If nobody else feels that way, then we'll move on. But I just think that. I, I do think that that two-year residency requirement, certainly for the mayor position, and we can talk on council later, but I, I think that that is, I think that's pretty light, um, just my opinion. Um, I don't know if anybody else thinks on that. Well, I would just have a question of what other communities mm -hmm. have as their residential requirements for position of mayor or any of the other. I know it's frequently cited in these comments. Mm -hmm. Do you know Mayor or Dave? No, but I'll get that information for you. I have no idea. Okay. Okay. Dave, how about any of the communities that you, you know, been law director of, either currently or in the past? Well, some of them, some of them actually have elections every two years. Oh, okay. all elected officials. Some have staggered. Uh, no, no, I'm no, talking no. qualifications. Qualifications. How long do you have to live in the city? I, I think the two year. Some even have one year. Really? Uh, so some even have one year, but I do not know the number of. That would have four or five years. Today, I, I was thinking about the same topic, mm -hmm. and I was curious what they have for president of the United States. And there was only three qualifications: mm -hmm. a natural-born citizen, 35 years of age, and 14 years. Uh, there was a four, uh, four, camera, it was something 14 years, and so I thought about this as well because of. And maybe Ruby, don't take this the wrong way, right? Well, I'm not. Because of your the, the amount of the length of time you've served, your age, and then the continued discussion of well, is this the mayor's last term, right? If there is somebody out there with pure political aspirations, right? They just want to be in politics, right? They, it, it, it's and the mayor of a, a, a strong city. You know, it's a springboard. It's a springboard, right? And so, mm -hmm. huh, Mayor Ruby, he's getting up there in age. He's been there for a long time. There's rumors that he might step down. Brexville is a nice community. Let me go move. I'll establish residency. I'll get in. I'll run. Maybe I even run unopposed, depending on what you decided to do. So I think there's a chance that that could happen, especially in today's society. And also, with Greg, you know, one of my biggest concerns that pops into my brain is it's taken me 18 years to get to understand Brexville, right? I consider myself a newbie. Um, but it's been 18 years, and I think that coming in two years and trying to understand the whole city and the little quirks and what the history is, et cetera, is a big ask. And you know, there's people who've lived here for a long time, and somebody could come in and change all that. And so my proposal, and I don't know the number either, but I'm thinking my head's going seven, eight, ten, because I would really want somebody to un to live here, right? To get to know the people. I've had conversations at city council meetings um, with people who live in Old Town, 
everything revolves around Old Town today. They go, well, we're a semi-rural city. I, I have to drive 14, 15 minutes seven times a day to get to downtown. They're like, well, we walk everywhere. You know, I would like a splash pad here or whatever it is. I'm like, that's not you. So that's my take is I agree with you. I, I think two is inadequate, and I think two is inadequate for almost every position mentioned in this plan. Yeah, Greg, if I may, um, the best mayors that I represent, the job is 24-7. When I get those emails at 1 o'clock and 2 o'clock in the morning, uh, that tells me that the mayor that I'm representing isn't sleeping because he's got an issue or she's got an issue that is on her mind and she needs to resolve the ASAP. Um, the problem with politics as it relates to municipalities that I have seen is that individuals who run for the mayor's position and individuals who run for council position don't understand what those positions and when they come into office, they learn quickly what those positions entail. And to be a mayor in today's society in Northeast Ohio, you have to have great administration um, um, skills, you have to have great people skills, and you have to know how to get things done. Because when you don't get things done, you don't get elected the next time. But the mayors that I've represented that are long-term, some as this mayor, some for 20 years, some for 28 years, they know how to do that, and they know what to do, and they know how to work with people, and more importantly, with staff. Because a good staff makes a mayor look awful good. And if you look at our community, you look at our staff, and they're right there with the mayor. But it's a 24-7 job no doubt about it, even when you're on vacation, no doubt about it, and that's what it takes. So whatever experience level you think, Michael, and the rest of the commission members is needed, that's your decision. Whether it's two, one, five, wh whatever you whatever you select, but that has to be someone who knows the community, and more importantly, knows how the community works. Thank you. Anybody else have any comments? Yeah. One way. Oh, uh, sure. So I moved here to Rossville in June of 2019. So I was very surprised being a new resident that in the charter it was only two years um, to qualify to run for mayor. So as a very new resident to the city, I would also like more discussion on potentially a
doesn't have to be consecutive. It could be. Is, is that true, Dave? Do you know? I, yeah. I mean, in state law, is that true for you? I mean, is there a, is any issue with like uh, a state law that says that you know you could uh, cobble together years? Uh, over not, not that I know of, but yeah. the but the charter the charter that we have would give you the, the charter authority itself would give you the right to do that. Right now, it does say for at least two years immediately prior to the date of the election. Mm -hmm. right? we don't have to use that. No, no, no. I know. I just I wasn't sure if there was something that. said, uh, you know, you could have someone who takes the opportunity knowing that there could be, uh, you know, an opening coming up soon. Uh, but I think two years, you know, for someone to plan two years, that seems to be a pretty far amount uh, away. I don't know if there's the right number because you could have someone who lives here for two years, three years, and they could be fully engaged in the city. They could go to council meetings. They could go to, they could volunteer at human services. They could be fully engaged, whereas someone who lives here for 10 years and just has sat by and isn't engaged, I think the two years kind of prevents someone from, you know, coming in uh, in a timely manner to run for mayor uh, or any any uh, uh, office, and you just want people who are engaged. And I think if you're setting it at, you know, up to 10 years, uh, you're limiting the subset of people that are going to yeah. apply, and yeah. you may not have qualified people, you know, then to run for these offices. Mm -hmm. yeah. and, and Rob, my, my take is, I don't think two years is a big piece. I think it, for if anybody had the aspirations or you move the town under one set of context and then all of a sudden, Rexville wasn't exactly like you thought. You wanted to be more like Hudson. But there's an opportunity that you can put your stamp on something. Two years is not a long time to commit to, I'm not saying 10 is the number, right? right? Yeah. But two years goes by in an instant. 18 years has gone by in an instant. 40 years for Dan. And I do think, though, if the people don't know, they're not engaged, right? I don't think they would get elected. But there is a chance in this city today that a two person who's lived here for two years could get elected. If said the right things and running the right campaign, I believe in my heart of hearts that a two-year resident could get elected. And there's just, even if you attended every council meeting, the, I think history is important. And you know, I, I don't know how I, I coined it to myself one time. I think that we need to honor the past as we move forward. And I don't believe two years, people, I mean, some people even unpack their basement. Um, and I've attended a lot of council meetings, and I, I still don't get everything right So, you know, and my other thought with this is not necessarily length, but also participation. So some weird part of me said, Ah, should you serve on council before you come become mayor? I mean, that that's a stretch, right? But it's just something, kind of a Stephanie, she brought up the outside piece. Mm -hmm. I don't know, right? Just because until you sat on council, you really know how things work. Um, so, yeah, that's my that's my yeah. thoughts. Yeah. Well, I've I've noted that down as a, an item to you know, as, after we go through everything, you know, that's probably the thing that we'll come back to. So, so Greg, are you, know you collecting items yeah. to talk about future, not to mm -hmm. solve them today? No, no, nothing's okay. being solved. These are just getting a consensus of, you know, a topic that Perfect. we may have 
further discussion. Okay. You know, like term limits on mayor, nobody wanted to do that, so we're not going to talk about that. This one, obviously, pretty much everyone uh, had something like that. We're not going to come back later. Then. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah, it's the so, pressure off talking about this now. Yeah, so again, it, it'll be things to think about and, you know, put thoughts together if it's something, you know, that we want to look at, you know, whether it's a, a year thing or, you know, two years, three years, four years, whatever the number may be, and, um, you know, we'll go from there. But that'll be a topic down the road once we've gone through all the all the sections. We can, we'll wrap back around and, and hit the topics that come up. Um, my only other thing, Mayor, and this is more um, because I saw some things that um, had been done in, the, I think it was maybe in 93, and it seems as if the mayor section was really the only one that, um, I, want, I don't want to say doesn't comply, but it definitely sticks out is the gender neutral language. What, what is the, and maybe Dave, you may have said something last meeting as to why that section, um, you know, you can't go through and change everything I, I can't remember what the reasoning was, if either of you guys know that. I know that they, we passed it in 93, if I correct, right? And it w wasn't it something that along the lines of like any future, future changes to sections, those would be updated, but obviously then there hasn't been anything in the mayor's section correct. since then, correct?
system might get clerical. something that you're going to give to yeah. Tammy to get. Okay, great. Thank you. Yep.
that level, at a national level, it takes years and years and years to build that political clout and so on and so forth, whereas on a city our size, I don't know if you need all that. You know, you, again, we've had, what, 26-year-old mayors and other younger mayors, so. Yeah, yeah I don't know that that, I, I would Instructed that if That's we right. had ideas to bring stuff up, <laughs> right? right? Because yeah. somebody I might not bring it, it up. Dumb idea. <laughs> <laughs> and so. Yeah, no idea is a dumb idea. Oh, that's right. Okay, does anybody else have any questions or comments on the mayor section? none we'll move on then uh, to article 4 which is the council and council president Redinger step on up thank you chairman um, so just uh, I will be much uh, briefer in my introduction just by way of background so everybody knows I'm in my third um, third term as a as a city council member and I started serving uh, as the president of city council um, this January 2nd and I filled in a bit last year um, for uh, former council president Harwood um, I had the the good fortune of serving with Greg while he was council president and so between Greg and Mike I had you know two really good strong mentors to see how they interacted with council uh, with the mayor and uh, my overall opinion is that it's working quite well um, so I'm just going to go through each of the sections just like the mayor did and just highlight any a couple of high items and then a couple of questions got comments from uh, the council as well regarding this section and then there'll be other comments for future future sections so uh, section number one number and terms as you all know there's seven council members um, we have four that are up for election every two years the top three vote getters uh, win a four-year term that bottom vote getter gets a two-year term so that constant role of four members um, I think it's working we've seen council members get reelected we've seen council members not get reelected and uh, I would say for anyone who thinks that um, elections are, you know, do not set term limits, you know, we've seen folks not get elected in the last couple of years and the residents have spoken, so I won't say anything more on that. Um, number two, qualifications. Uh, I think the same topic relative to the residency of two years, I believe, should also be under discussion as it relates to city council members. But whether it's four or five, again, I'll leave that up to you all if you believe that that um, should be discussed. Um, no other changes there. Moving on to section three, president of council. Uh, the president is elected at that January 2nd organizational meeting by its peers. They serve for a one-year term. Uh, if they're doing a, a, a a good job they get reelected and if they're not doing a good job someone else gets put into that role so I think that uh, has worked as far as I've seen it over the last 11 years yes 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 so at that organizational meeting on January 2nd the mayor opens the meeting and then nominations are called yes yep um, 
So the role of the president is to preside at the meetings. Uh, we also, that does not take away any of our rights as a council member, uh, any of those duties. Um, and just from a practicality perspective, that's running the meetings, that's working with the mayor, the council clerk, um, uh, and being aware of you know the activities that are going to be on the agenda. Um, so just a little bit of background there on how that really presiding over the meetings is running them, but also effectuating the agenda that is largely set by the mayor and the administration um, before the meeting. Section four and section five, um, removal and vacancies. So we did actually have to go through this, and I would say, you know, the removal process, um, we just tested it, and uh, Mr. Maddy, you certainly can weigh in. Um, it works, um, and, uh, you know, it's five members, so it's, it's more than, you know, just a majority that has to vote on a removal of a council member by their council member, by our own members. Um, and you know the the time frame and the process for notice and allowing for a hearing, uh, public hearing, etc. Um, you know, worked as we went through the process. So um, we hopefully we'll never have to do that again. But it worked.
for a practical matter to have the elect. I mean, if somebody is really guilty of something really, really bad, and you want to get them out, them out right away, this would take a long time to put to action. took action as it was necessary to take action at that time. Um, but you're right, it would take any such process like that would take more time um, than what we have in place. And it's actually more fair to the individual to do it when there's a situation that the rest of the council thinks there's an issue because it's today. You don't wait six months down the road and take the issue then. So that's but I, w I will check that to, and come back to the commission on that. Uh, Councilman Caruso. Dave, just procedurally, I have a question. When that incident took place and they had the meeting after the hearing and then into executive session, the council, and I'm just asking procedurally if this is a norm or because it wasn't in the charter, it's how it's played out. And I, I apologize, I just thought it was what we were talking about. But, um, the council person being for removal was allowed to come into that executive session and be a part of the process of deciding and advocate on his own behalf. Is that procedurally normal? Is that something that should be discussed as being allowed in the future? Um, councilman, yeah, Councilman, no. Uh, under under um, Ohio law, a council member no matter what, has the ability to attend an executive session. Whether it's an issue uh, that involves that council member or some other council member. Council as a whole has a right to include or exclude any other person, official, expert that they wish from an executive session. Uh, I can be excluded, the mayor can be excluded from an executive session, uh, an expert or a consultant may be asked to be included in an executive session, but a council member, no matter what, has the right to be there. So I, I would, yeah, we would not change that. Justifiable, and what I'm saying is the term justifiable excuse is not defined. 
downgrade whatever it is, right? If, hey, I can't come to a practice, 11 days of practice, you know, is it justifiable excuse because he's not a person? I'm just saying justifiable excuse is not, so I don't know right. if it's something we talk about later. I'm just bringing it up because we're in that section and it stood out. I would just add, I mean, the, those are extreme types of situations, and I think generally speaking, you know, someone missing two meetings has happened on very rare occasions in my 11 years of being here. So I, I think some, well, anyway, that's what I'll say. Yeah, and I, I understand, yep. but under the extreme situations, that's when definitions apply. So most contracts have a definition section. If you want to so I'm not gonna talk about it anymore. It's just something whether it, people feel you wanna talk about it or not, and once again, I'm, well. The extremes are what I'm worried about now because, as far as I know, until the past couple of years, we never tried this section of the removal clause. So, uh, I don't know that. I'd have to look that. I, I could research that also. I uh, I have always included. Uh, uh, this council has always excused council members for legitimate reasons. I haven't had to face that here. Um, and again, if somebody misses that number of meetings or a number of meetings, um, the electorate will take care of that also. But I can look up to see if there's a def definition anywhere for that. I can see Maybe it's meant to be. I, I can see both sides, right? I'm thinking of an absurd example. Dominic Crusoe gets asked to go on uh, the Amazing Race for Survivor or something, right? Ah, he's got a chance to win $5 million, but we all like Mike, so it's a justifiable excuse for him to miss three meetings. But maybe we don't like Dominic, and now he's going on a show to miss it. So now he's out. I think that's what we're, we're just trying to figure out. Is, you know, it's... So, game show... Sorry, Dominic. No. I hope you win Survivor for it. Okay. Go ahead, Laura. Okay. Next section is vacancies. Uh, we've also tested this one, um, and the it's up to council to fill a vacancy with within 30 days after it's occurred. Um, you know, practically speaking, we had a process. We collected resumes, we interviewed folks, and we appointed um, based on a vote of uh, the council members that were remaining. Um, you know, if there's a vacancy of the president. Um, it's filled by you know the remaining council members electing uh, by the majority, and certainly there's a provision here that if it's not so filled within 30 days, then the power goes to the mayor. So uh, next up is salaries. So council fixes the salaries um, of compensation for the mayor and the members of council. Each of the officers, employers, members of boards, commissions, municipalities. Um, so we are uh, we review this, um, and the compensation for the mayor of council can be reviewed um, and and changed not less than 120 days immediately preceding the date of the next municipal election. Um, we haven't changed since I've been in office the council compensation. Um, Mayor, I should have checked this with you previously. I think we've changed once the mayor 
the mayor's comp compensation. Um, we can double check on that, but. The last time the mayor's compensation was changed was four years ago. The first two years remained the same as the previous four, and then these, these last two years, uh, it was increased by 2,000. So just generally speaking, uh, because you probably don't know this, um, we, you know, just like any business are constantly looking at the compensation, uh, you know, across our peers, across the community, for all of our, um, for the mayor and for all of the department heads. And so, you know, we are keeping a close eye on that and, you know, have not um, done anything rogue and sought to make any huge increases. We certainly want to make sure that our wages are competitive so that we can attract and retain the most qualified people to run run our community. So um, I don't we I don't have any suggestions here nor did council have any uh, suggested changes here. Moving on to meetings, uh, our meetings are 8 p.m. on the, the of every 8 p.m. initially the second day of January, which is our org meeting, and then um, the first and third Tuesdays of the month. Um, special meetings we're able to call and um, we, you know, we try not to have to have a special meeting if we don't need it, but we're certainly able to call it. We had one recently, um, but there have been very few. There are very few that we have to have. Mm -hmm. um, so we go through the proper notification to make sure that the public knows, to make sure that, uh, you know, everybody knows when we're having these meetings. Um, executive sessions. As you can see here, there's, you know, six reasons why we can have an executive session. Um, and we stick to those matters and we announce those matters up front when we are convening into an executive session. So that typically will happen um, as part of the Committee of the Whole, which is at the end of our committee meetings. So just real quick on our committee meetings, you know, it's all the Buildings and Grounds Committee, Finance Committee, those are, these are happening, um, you know, the earlier in the evening prior to the 8 o'clock council meeting. And if there's something that needs to be discussed um, at executive session that it's it's on our agendas and we will uh, specifically only discuss one of these six items. I know there was a comment from resident. Do you want to bring that up, Greg? Yeah, I can uh, add into that um, just to see if anybody has um, any comment on this. The one resident um, had a suggestion of putting a time limit of two hours on any one exec executive session meeting in a 24-hour period. Um, that was the right, that was this person's suggestion to consider. Um, from, I can tell you from my perspective, I would be completely 1,000% against that. Um, those are sometimes, I don't want to say it would be common that you would have a two-hour or more executive session, but the types of topics that you're dealing with there can get very, very involved, very detail-oriented, um, where you know, you've got major, major 
And just to add to that, you know, sometimes there are items that are extremely time sensitive. And so we really don't want to be restricted to only having so much time to discuss a topic when we're needing to discuss it to make a decision because it's time sensitive. So we don't have the opportunity to call a special meeting and then reconvene um, an executive session. And, Dave. And if you are observant and watch the council meetings or listen to the council meetings, practice at least as long as I've been here which is 2011 the executive sessions are held between the committee meetings and the regular meeting of council on that same night so normally what would happen is if you're watching these council meetings and we start at 630 or at 7 o'clock perhaps at 730 or quarter to 8 we'll go into an executive session by 5 after 8 or 10 after 8, we're done. I cannot recall any executive session that I've attended in the last 11 years that came anywhere near two hours in a session. Some councils meet in executive session after their regular meeting and can meet forever. Um, I will tell you this, when I was in Solon, my first council meeting had an executive session that went till 2.30 in the morning. And it was a topic like the chairman indicates that had been sitting there for 11 months. My concern was how am I gonna tell my wife that I'm still in executive <laughs> session at 2.30 in the morning? Um, which was a difficult dis discussion in the first place, but that doesn't happen here because we're time limited. And if we don't get our business done, we still only have a half hour or so to discuss an item but you can't put a time limit on an executive session. If we have complicated litigation that needs to be explained to seven people who have not been involved in that litigation at all, and I'm the only one who's been involved in it, we cannot shortcut those decisions. We have collective bargaining agreements that need to be discussed, property acquisitions that need to be discussed. So I'm not aware of any executive session limitation I will tell you this, I did serve with one council president, he will remain unnamed. His rule was, if our council meeting was for today, October 5th, and that council meeting started at 8, when we went into executive session after the council meeting, by 12 o'clock we had to be done because the council called it for October 5th. That was a neat rule. That saved me from having to be there till 2.30 that night. But but I have not heard of that anywhere. So and just uh, practically speaking, uh, we, as Dave mentioned, we do have our executive sessions in between the committee meetings and the regular council meetings. And, uh, you know, there is the, op the ability to continue those if we need be. But, I mean, I can count on one hand in 11 years that we had to adjourn, go to our regular meeting, and then reconvene after um, a council meeting. So, you know, we certainly are pretty efficient. You know, I don't think any of it, we're all trying to be manage, manage time efficiently, but we also don't want to be hamstrung if for some reason we need longer to discuss an option or uh, discuss a topic. Uh, moving along, um, section eight is a quorum, four members is a quorum. Um, I think generally speaking that uh, allows us to vote you know, in the affirmative for 
um, you know, all of our, our business items, and it just potentially, when there's four versus five, it changes our ability to suspend um, the rules and uh, go to uh, um, uh, approving an item and as an emergency action. So that's the only thing where the quorum of four um, impacts our voting ability, but it doesn't, doesn't, hasn't hindered us from getting anything done. Moving along, um, rules and journals of the council, section nine, uh, these are kept. They're open to the public. Um, our minutes are approved. They're, you know, put online. Uh, there's always copies, Tammy posted, and Tammy helps take care of all of that for us. Section 10, form of legislation action. Um, so we take our action by uh, approving ordinances and resolutions that are introduced in write, written form. Um, and they have to be approved by four members. We just talked about a quorum. Um, let's see. So this is where there's often question about um, every ordinance being read fully at three meetings. And so our council has adopted the practice of, um, because that takes so long and takes so much forward planning to have to have something done over the course of basically a month and a half, we take the practice of following uh, the kind of middle part of the sentence where um, if there's a, a vote um, to allow to suspend, hold on one second, unless five members of council um, affirmatively a vote, vote to dispense with the rule, um, and then that allows the ordinance or resolution to be voted on in that evening. But in that situation, it needs to be five. So if there's only a quorum of four, we have to read and push, push a legislation to the next meeting uh, for, for another reading, at which time if there is a fifth, you know, there's full members of council, we certainly can entertain the, um, the suspension of the rules uh, at that point in time. And if I may, Laura, so that the commission understands, there's two concepts here in article, or in section 10 and section 11 of how council operates. One is called suspension, and one is called emergency enactment. So for the suspension, as Laura said, the suspension is, we've discussed this, and if you watch our committee meetings, you will see that the discussion on ordinances is all done at the committee level the same night of the council meeting, which is going to occur later that night. So if council is, um, feels that <coughs> the issue has been vetted, there's consensus to move forward, and there's usually a motion for recommendation by the committee that's entertaining whatever the issue is. There's a motion for suspension. That needs five votes. If that doesn't happen, then it's only first reading, and there'll be a second reading at the next council meetings. Some councils read almost every issue only once. Some councils read almost uh, any issue three times, and they have very few exceptions. But if you watch a council meeting, you'll see the content of the item being discussed at committee. If there's a consensus and recommendation, they move forward uh, with suspension, and they need five. 
we had litigation over the fact of if that happens and a vote is taken later that doesn't have five, we were challenged that that piece of legislation doesn't get enacted, and that's not correct. It doesn't get enacted as an emergency uh, matter, but if four people vote for any piece of legislation, it gets enacted and becomes effective 30 days after it's passed. So there's two concepts here. If you read 10 and 11, you, you got to think of suspension occurs before there's a vote for approval, and then does it take effect upon the mayor's signature and five votes that night, or if there's only four votes, it takes effect 30 days later. And you may ask, what's the difference? If there's an emergency passage, if an ordinance is passed on an emergency basis, it can't be challenged by what's called a referendum initiative, an initiative challenging the act that was taken. If it's 30 days, if it doesn't become 30 days effective for 30 days later, somebody can file an initiative petition and challenge that, that piece of legislation which goes to the voters at the next election. So there's two concepts there. If you have any issue of that on that, just call me, please. Is that a question or just a... <laughs> okay. Um, so the bottom paragraph here is, uh, you know, the fact that we have to post our um, ordinances in three public places in the municipality. And um, perhaps for topic here, we had a comment is given online, given, you know, the different ways that people are communicating. Dave, this is probably a question for you. Is three public, you know, how do we handle the, the public uh, locations um, and, and is, does our posting online, you know, count? Um, posting online, posting on a website do count. Um, we've had three, and I believe the suggestion I saw was to continue three, but have them at locations of public buildings where the population visits or can visit. Uh, I think the issue was with banks and bank lobbies, um, I don't know how many commission members go to their bank, but uh, virtually online now to pay bills and to deposit. So that was a suggestion that was made. It's your call as to how many places you wish or you don't wish uh, to have posting. The, the suggestion specific here is um, the website, the community center, and city hall. So just, just throw out potentials. So Yeah, but those three public places, those are determined by council, but not by the charter just
but that should be left up to council. But it's three public places. So Correct. council can pick the three public places. Correct. I think the question that was raised was, um, is online considered public? So Dave, that's the question, if we wanted to go online. I thought you said yes. Mm -hmm. yeah. it, is, it is, you did, okay. Mm -hmm. so I, sorry, I didn't hear that. That's the process now. It's not changed. We don't change the locations of so where, where do, things are. Where do we currently post these as a matter of standard practice? Tammy? Uh, Tammy's our, our yeah. Okay, currently they are posted at the Brunsville Library, uh, Fifth Third Bank Lobby, Key Bank Lobby, and City Hall Lobby. We also post on the city website. There's a portal for all of the city documents as far as um, adopted resolutions, ordinances, minutes, and uh, agendas. Charter, yep. Yeah, and the charter is there as well. And so is that a standard place? That's the places that you've chosen, or do they change? No, they don't change. The only thing that's changed since I've been with the city, and that's um, going on six years now, um, has been the online. So I guess you're right. Decision. That is a council decision. Yeah, right. So you don't want to specify that in the chart. No, no. But I'm, I'm right now. Yeah. Right now. Yeah. Up, this is for understanding. Yeah. Right, right now, no. Yeah. It's up to council to decide that. Which I mean, other than adding it online, it's never been the locations haven't been changed. And just for a general question, they will apply to everything else. Are things like this handled by ordinances? Because ordinances are meant to lay on top of the city charter, as I understand. No, the charter, the charter, is the Bible. Ordinances can be enacted, but the charter rules. So in this case, in this case, the language now says three public places, as determined by council. So council can determine today what those three places are, and in six months they could determine that they get changed if you put language in the charter of what the three places are, which you can do, then the only way that those get changed would be council at any point in time or a resident through initiative can petition that those get changed and there'd be a vote of the people to change it. Once it's in the charter, Michael, it has to be changed by a vote of the people. Which way you do that is your choice right now it's as determined by council. Right. Either way is legal. Or, or a future charter committee, correct? Right. Uh, future charter committee, 
Eric, but that's every every ten right. years. So it's that easier. it's it's just it, it's just yeah, a matter Eric, of how it's going to get there. Ordinances do fill gaps, but the charter sometimes authorizes the ordinances which are passed, which in this case is what this charter section does. It says as determined by council. So it's actually it's actually the authority for council to determine what those posting places are. Sometimes if the charter is silent, then an ordinance can be passed on an issue and it will take effect of law because there's no charter provision to the contrary. So are these locations set by ordinance or by a regular vote? Well, if it have to be a regular vote through ordinance or motion or resolution. It would have to it, it would have to be council making that decision. And that's the three ways they can act, by resolution, by ordinance, and by a motion. can uh, it, it may cause it you may want to think about it if you're having insomnia because it's it's technical an ordinance is usually adopted on an item that is permanent um, I'll give you a, a, a scenario um, perhaps a code section a new code section that's coming in to our code will be done by ordinance a resolution is an action by council which is on something temporary. Say we have an agreement with um, Landscaper ABC to cut the athletic fields. Well, that's going to have a term to it. Um, those type of actions, the rules that Laura and I have explained, deal with suspension, emergency passage or not, and need four votes to pass, five votes to pass if it's going to become immediately effective. A motion at council, if you watch a council meeting, a motion only requires, there's no suspension, only requires four votes of council to pass. So it's a different process, but there are the three ways that council can take action. And if you, if you tune into that and you watch a council meeting, you'll see some of the committees requesting a motion for council to take certain actions. You'll see some of the committee chairs requesting legislation to take action and then if you watch the council meeting you'll see the actions that are taken. Thank you. I didn't want to make this wrong assumption. So. Okay. Can I ask a question? Was this brought up from public places just to get clarification on an online constitutes yes. one place? Yes. Or was it council asking for specific No, just the online. Just okay. to clarify just the online. Okay. Sorry sorry if that wasn't clear. It was, I just Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> okay. Anything more? Um, section 11, effective date of ordinance and resolution. So Dave touched on this a little bit. Um, so an ordinance or resolution um, is going to be, a, it'll be in effect um, 
unless a later date has been specified upon the approval by the mayor, um, or you know, unless he passes a veto, we we heard, we talked that about that earlier that he hasn't passed any, and um, it's 30 days after the approval by the mayor, unless um, which Dave just talked about, there's an emergency measure. So, um, I. Dave, I'm hard pressed to find something that we've passed without an emergency um, clause in it. Mayor? Without the emergency clause, yeah. any legislation that is placing something on the ballot? Thank you. Anything that does not require uh, three readings? So zoning, zoning legislation would require three readings. Right. Uh, annual tax levy will require three meetings. And so, if there's a if there's a petition for by uh, property owners for an assessment, it would require three, and that's in the charter already. So so maybe said. Yes. Yeah, I apologize. So maybe said differently is the exceptions to the emergency legislation are zoning, um, putting things on the ballot that aren't zoning, um, and I just missed one that you there was a third you just said. Excellent. Taxes. Taxes. And, and council right. has traditionally, if there is an item where they want public, they, they need public input, they'll read an item for three times right. to make sure that they've got the public input. At least that's been my experience right. here, that they, they feel confident that the public has spoken to them on the issue. I guess the other thing recently was the, the TIF legislation that we passed as it related to Valor Acres. Right. So those are the types of examples of things that we that are not emergency but are normal normal course is emergency but for the big items that need due consideration but Dave we still even on those some of those items um, let's say it's not a zoning issue but let's say it's something that council wants to consider public input go through three times a lot of times though if I recall some of that legislation would still have the emergency wording on it so to speak like uh, the income tax credit yes one. Because, Greg, that's the difference. Right. The three readings are on the suspension item, right. but council may want that after the three readings to take effect immediately right. or need it to take effect immediately. Right. You're not loud enough, Mike, which is kind of funny. That is. <laughs> okay. Go ahead, Laura. Um, okay, any other questions on effective dates? Um, next up, Section 12, mandatory referral. Um, this is legislation passed by council or proposed by initiative petition, which ref refers to a change in zoning or change to any use regulations controlling the use or development of land. And that requires um, it to be submitted to the electors of the mu municipality with um, approval by a 55% vote, not, um, not just a regular majority vote. And, and that is an exception. Most councils have authority to determine zoning issues. Um, our city is not only <coughs> our city not only requires a vote of the people; it requires a vote of the people in the 55 percent, rather than just a majority. A couple of cities um, require a vote of the people of the entire city. And if they have wards, a vote in the ward, a positive vote in the ward where the project is proposed. 
Uh, we don't have wards, so it's just the entire city. Um, and this is this slows down the process of any zoning change or any new zoning classification that's requested because some city councils and communities can do that by themselves and they don't have to go a vote to a vote of the people. Um, my, during my time here, this has worked very well because the people have a ch chance to chime in on whether or not they think that a zoning change would be beneficial to the city. And the best example that I can give you is occurring just south of us, where that issue of rezoning of Valor Acres passed by a great majority, but there was a lot of work that went into that, and we had not only one zoning district, but as Teresa Lesh can explain to you, we had overlay districts because she asked me that question, what they were, and so that the populace knew that they were protected by what council took in the form of an action, and they approved it so we could regulate when on that, what went on that property. And you're, you're seeing the result of it as it's getting built. Laura, does anybody, um, the, or, and anybody on the commission and mayor, um, does anybody have any comment to the opposition, so to speak, of that 55% um, vote and, and having that mayor and felt that work has worked great for the city, I assume? And just yeah, we fair. have, yeah. It, it's fair, and I think we have no, no recommendations from council to make any changes there. Sorry, I just wanted to make sure that everybody knew. Um, we we have feedback from all of council, um, but there aren't any other items relative to this section that we have feedback on, but I just wanted to make sure that folks know that the term limit for elected officials did come up from um, s several of the council members, so it's not just a comment that's coming from me. And um, you'll hear from you know other comments as we move into um, the other meetings talking about different sections. I'm just confirming that. Yep, so I just want to make sure. Um, and we did get some cleanup changes um, that we started talking about a little bit earlier from also from council, and so we'll make sure that you guys, Dave, Greg has those, and, and we'll make sure that Dave, I believe you have them as well too. Um, so are there any other, any other questions? questions for me? None, none for you. These, these would just be my couple of uh, comments or questions for the commission and um, any feedback again to kind of weed through what potentially could be um, issues that we may want to discuss or if not then we can chop them off the list. So again, uh, terms of council, uh, councilman just like we discussed with the mayor, does anybody have any um, overriding opinion on, on putting a term limit on council members?
served greater than 20 years. All the rest of them, contrary to what the public may think, have served less than that. The majority of them have usually served two terms. Um, so it, it, it's worked. We had four even lose elections, and one was removed by council. So uh, there's change, and it, it works. The election system works rather than term runs.
see a reason to, you know, to change it just for the sake of change. Um, Brad, I agree with you. I think it works fabulously for us to represent the entire city. Yeah. And not a, a subset. Yeah. And again, if people have an issue, you know, the question is always, well, I don't even know who my council person is. Well, you know, you go to the person who, you know, if you call whoever you know. We have seven of them. You have seven of them. Yeah, you don't have one. You got seven, and then they'll, they'll steer you through where you got to go. Greg, oh, That, I was just going to give folks the background. So um, it's not always been like this, but since my time on council, our committee meetings occur the way they do for the very reason to make sure that all of our council members are up to speed on what's going on broadly across all of the boards, uh, I'm sorry, all of the committees. So we have the committee meeting before council so that, and we attend, we all attend and listen I'm not voting as a non-member. Um, in historical years, committee meetings were held on different nights, and potentially not everybody was included, participated, I shouldn't say included, participated in those meetings. So um, it, at some point in time, changed to have all of the committee meetings on one evening, uh, potentially to keep people in the know, potentially to be efficient in having meetings you know one evening a week versus mul multiple evenings a week so we get to hear all of the business you know we get our packages of information the Friday before we review the package you know if you have questions and you're not on a committee you go to the committee chair or potentially the mayor or the administration to you know get uh, your questions answered etc in advance of the committee meeting um, and any potential vote that evening so um, and as far as you know just practically speaking if I get a call and I you know I'm not on a committee I, I refer that resident or an email I refer that resident to um, the, the committee chair to help answer questions etc so and we just pretty much you know it's an open communication process so that everybody knows, you know, kind of where there's concerns and what's what's happening and what's going on. And, and then um, just a couple more things that I had on the list here. Um, I'll assume perhaps that we want to also, as we dis are, will discuss in the future with uh, the mayor position, having um, two-year residency qualification that is the same thing on side um, is that something that we want to discuss as far as council is concerned as well or or not surprised when I reviewed that um, in the meeting section under the special meetings where it says not less than 12 hours preceding that meaning you have to give at least 12 hour notice um, I was actually surprised that for some reason I thought it was it was 24 is there a reason is it basically just to cover in case there's a really big emergency that we right. need okay 
where 12 it's, is. It's so there in case something like a yeah, at the street right. or whatever we have to have an emergency meeting to authorize funding or, okay. uh, or some hideous thing happens. Yeah, okay. And the law recently changed by case law where council cannot make approvals by email. So if we do have an emergency, you can't use the email system to seek authority to do things and seek approvals. You need to have a public meeting where the issue can be discussed publicly. Even so, um, that was a, always a thing that you know came up in the, in the past, at least when I served on the council, where it could be like a um, you know an ongoing project, a utility project that's going on, and they're out on the scene and they're all mobilized, they're working on it, and something unforeseen happens, they needed to get get it done right then and there, and kind of the, you know, the bat signal went up and said, hey, can we get, you know, can we get approval on that? And there was always some question on that, so that can no longer, is there any way that you know of, Dave, around that to keep, you know, whether it be a, a dollar limitation or, it just have no. the only way to do it is like we'd have to no. shut that project down and no no you don't have to shut shut the project down in this town in this city with the council and the mayor and how they interact with each other the mayor can authorize the mayor can authorize that immediate um, um, project that immediate repair or remediation to occur mm -hmm. and he will be notifying council at the same time of what he's doing there will be immediate special meeting set 12 hours later where it would be approved. So you're not putting the public or the project at risk. Now in some communities that could be an issue because if there's not that relationship between the mayor and the council, the mayor could authorize something and then council can uh, refuse. Yeah. But it can be handled. Um, it just can't be handled by email, privately right. approved. It's got to be in a public meeting. Anybody on the commission have any questions or comments for either Council President Redinger, Mayor, Directors, as far as Article 4 is concerned? I have that jotted down. I have justifiable excuse and I have uh, the resin. resin. Did you number? So that's what I had for the Council. Section the residency, residency qualifications and then the sort of gender neutral wording, but it sounds like they And Greg, I have one other one, and that would be uh, the research to see if any other community allows for council uh, member removal being a vote of the people. Oh, yeah, that was the other one. Yep. And that was under the council section? Yes. Right? Nothing else on that article. We will uh, just about wrap up here. Are there any other matters deemed appropriate for the commission that anybody wants to bring up at this point? Nothing? Okay. And unfortunately, there's no longer anybody in the public. Um, but if there was, if you had anything to say, say it now. <laughs> but hearing none, uh, we'll move on to there. I will. Uh, oh, um, Real quickly, just as a reminder, our next meeting is uh, October twenty-fifth, I believe. Somewhere. Oh, I must have put it away. Uh, one second. Yep. That's it. Oh, there.
25th, uh, 6.30 will be our next one, and then we have November 2nd and November 29th. Um, I would anticipate um, we'll get the agenda out to you here the next day or two for that one, but um, kind of the, the goal or plan is that in these next probably three or so meetings we'll hit Articles 5 and 6, which are pretty uh, hefty, and then Articles 7 through 12, we can probably handle those all at, uh, in one one final meeting there before the end of the year and that'll get us through the charter and then starting in January then we can really start hammering out whatever other um, you know go back through the discussion points and see what we want to potentially do or not do with any of those and then uh, you know keep moving forward and, and, and go from there so um, right, quick yep. housekeeping note this new charter is what we should keep in our binders the old one mm -hmm. the old one did not have like four or five pages at the back. Okay. Yeah, section eight and on. Uh, and also, I, I know as I was a little last minute, but before today's meeting, I sent in an uh, alternate email address. Okay. Yeah, I think there was a new, was there not a new membership directory? or That should have been at your desks today. Yeah. Yeah, I, 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 yeah I, I'm sorry. I sent in one like at 6 o'clock today, so I was, uh, I was way far. probably went to Kristen, and yeah, I didn't have access Kristen, to her. Yeah. That's okay. We'll yeah. get it updated. Totally. Yep. All right. Sounds good. Okay. Hearing nothing else, uh, I'll make a motion to adjourn. Do I hear a second? Second. Sec uh, motion by Scaljack, second by Bartos. Uh, roll call. Bartos? Yes. Bender? Yes. Bullion? Yes. Bullion? Yes. Black? Yes. Mansfield? Yes. Church? Yes. Scaljack? Yes. By the club? Yes. Thank you. Meeting adjourned.